If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 24. The title of the message today is Heartburn. Now it has nothing to do with how many pancakes and porkies you just consumed. Um, but heartburn. Uh, we'll be in Luke 24, so uh, we'll be referring to those verses throughout the message. Um, it is extraordinary that God, who by the power of his word, spoke the worlds into existence. He spoke the universe into existence. He's a creator of all things. And he reveals himself most clearly through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. But he has also spoken and speaks through his written word to you and I today. God is a communicator. He speaks. And it's not that he has spoken. He is still speaking today. It's not a matter of whether he's speaking. It's a matter of, are you listening? Are we listening? Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is alive and it is active. That's present tense. It is currently alive and active. I read today in Luke's gospel, the 21st chapter, where he had told about end time events. And all the things you see around us are really all just temporal. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But he said, my word shall never pass away. This word is alive and active. And because of this, it is significant that at the end of the first resurrection day, it would be that living, active, powerful word that would bring comfort, insight, and help to the followers of Jesus. Point number one, questions and confusion. Luke 24, beginning with verse 13. That very day, the day of the resurrection, that very day, two of them, two who were among the disciples, not of the twelve, but had been among the disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, and we'll stop there and pick it up in a moment. It's the afternoon of the first Lord's Day. They had left Jerusalem and were on their way to Emmaus. Now I, I think these men were discouraged, perplexed, confused. And it reminds me of the disciples who in the same state of mind, the same day had said among themselves, we're going back to fishing. 
And it's like all of our hopes are crushed. They were going back to what they knew to do. What they had done before they became followers of Jesus. Now we're not sure who these two men are. One of them, the name is Cleopas. Some have speculated that he was some shirt-tail relation to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Maybe was, maybe wasn't. The other one is unnamed, and he may, in fact, uh, by some commentaries' views, have been Luke, the writer of this gospel. And again, we don't know if that's true. But whoever these two men were, they were held in high esteem. They had the confidence of the disciples. They had free apostolic entrance. So they could go in. They had access to this uh, group of the followers of Jesus. And I'm sure had heard Jesus teach. But the amazing thing about this is Jesus sought their company. You know, Resurrection Day, that's a big day. That's a big event. And on this, perhaps the most greatest historical day in the history of mankind, Jesus chose to approach these two men. I think it's amazing that God seeks our company. What is man that he's mindful of us? Who are we that this God who spoke the worlds into existence would so love us that he would send his son because he wants to have company with us? He wants to have communion and fellowship with each one of us. He wants that with you. He selected them for this honor. What an honor it is that God would choose to reveal himself to each one of us and to communicate with us. We're told that they were talking and discussing together all the reports that they'd been hearing. They were sharing their thoughts, their opinions, innumerable questions about his trial and arrest. Questions about the sufferings and the crucifixion. And then the ladies add more confusion to this. The ladies had told them before they had left Jerusalem that they went to the tomb and they found it empty. And on top of all that, they said they'd seen angels. That was a lot for them to process. Questions and answers that they didn't have, made them go deeper into the unknown. All they thought they knew and believed swept away. You know, you can imagine when your expectations, and maybe you've had uh, a similar experience, maybe to a lesser degree, but you had hopes. You had all your thoughts. You believed. And something didn't go 
quite the way you thought it would. With all of the events took place and they're left now at the end of this day with their Messiah dead and their face shattered and messianic hopes crushed. Their feet and their face were headed toward Emmaus but their thoughts lingered on the things which had happened. All the course between last Sunday, Palm Sunday, and this Sunday. So much for them to process. That's where their mind was. That's where their thoughts were. And then we're told that suddenly Jesus appears. Look at verse 15. The latter part. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you are having with each other as you walk? His physical presence. Now, Luke is a doctor. He had to be especially interested in this physical appearance. Now, this was not out of the ordinary for them to be walking between Jerusalem and Emmaus and have another traveler who was traveling alone to join them, come alongside them. There was something about this body that did not surprise them. He was in a physical body. He, he looked like one of the other travelers going down this road. So he joins them. This body was something to really consider. He could appear and he could disappear. One day you'll be able to do that. He was able, he was capable of coming and going through locked doors and stone walls. Talk about a superhero. And this body also had the ability to eat. At the end of this chapter, when he's with all the disciples, he has some broiled fish. But they did not recognize him. And we're not told why they did not recognize him, just they didn't recognize him. Again, was it because they were blinded by despair and grief or because of uh, unbelief? You know, spiritual dullness can come when we fail to recognize Scripture. Jesus had said to the leaders of Israel, he said, Search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they testify of me. Jesus was telling them that in all the scriptures, whether you're reading in Genesis or Leviticus or the Psalms or the prophets, that wherever you read, it's all about Jesus. And they failed to see him in the Old Testament. The Bible is a book about Jesus from Genesis through Revelation. 
I'm not sure they had any clue this was Jesus because if they had, Cleopas would not have answered quite the way he did. There seems to be a touch of sarcasm, sarcasm there. You mean you haven't heard what's happened? What's wrong with you? And then let's look at verses 17 through 24 of this chapter. Again, I read verse 17. He said to them, What is the conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? I think Jesus has a sense of humor. (laughs) I mean, if anybody knew what just happened in Jerusalem, he knew. And he knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem before he went there. And they're saying, you mean you don't know about this? What things? Um, And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, Notice, they're not acknowledging him there as the Son of God. Who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. And how our high priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, notice that, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, It is now the third day since these things happened. Emphasis on the third day. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. They they had a hard time believing these women. Jesus immediately, and you know he's called in Isaiah a counselor. He uses a counselor's techniques here. He immediately probes their wounded hearts and it opened the fountain of their lips. You know, when people have had a traumatic event, counselors are told the number one thing you do, the first thing you do is get them to talk. Get them to talk. Uh, A therapist once gave me an illustration. He said, you know why uh, more people drown in shipwrecks in Lake Superior because it's deeper and it makes the more of a turbulence. I'd have to check with Jared if this is all true. But the more turbulence is it's because of the depth. And if you can drain that, the top becomes, which would be our emotions and the things we struggle, uh, lessons. Uh, the number one thing you want to do is get somebody to begin to talk. It relieves some of that stress. And they opened up when Jesus prodded them. 
He was deliberate. He was patient. He wanted them to come to an understanding. They unburdened their soul and they said, we had hoped. We had hoped. Again, how do you handle events when things don't turn out like you thought they should turn out? We had hoped. They misunderstood the scriptures. They misunderstood what was happening to them. They thought for sure Jesus was going to go into Jerusalem and overthrow Rome. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because the one they hoped hoped in was gone. And so is their hope. And this latest information from the women they find to be unbelievable. You know, there's a little bit of Thomas in all of us. He's known as Doubting Thomas, but I think we've all had our moments of doubt. John the Baptist doubted. Here was the one who announced the Lamb of God taking away the sin of of the world. And yet, when he was in prison... Things didn't go as he thought they should or would. And so he sent some of his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one? I think we sometimes have those same struggles. They had nothing to re-anchor their hopes to, so they left Jerusalem and were going back to Emmaus, struggling with broken hearts and broken dreams. Point number two is answers and clarity. Luke 24, and I'll begin reading in verse 25 through 27. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Notice he drew their attention to scripture. And he started, I didn't, this lighting up here is not the best. And so uh, I, I missed verse 25 when he talked about, uh, oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Oh, foolish men is what it means. Jesus considers foolish all who do not believe in this word and act and decide according to it. To confirm that, the parable or the story he told of the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man heard the word and did it. And his house was like a house built on a rock so that when the storms came. But the foolish man, Jesus uses that same phrase, foolish man is the man who hears this book but doesn't live according to it. Oh foolish men, he tells them, slow to believe 
You have read, you have heard, you have had it read to you. And you refuse to believe it. You refuse to apply it. You refuse to make your faith and your decisions upon the word of God. The power of the word of God spoken by Jesus would eventually lift the fog and give a new and a fresh clarity to God's purpose for their life. You and I must daily depend upon the Holy Spirit and confidence in the word of God so we can move forward. We must be anchored to Christ and to his word. Jesus said in the temptation, when tempted to turn a rock into bread, Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We see Jesus pulling these men back to the word of God. I believe Jesus today not only here but in our world he's trying to draw his people back to the word of God there are statistics that are sad when we hear about the biblical illiteracy in the church and when we read the statistics of how many Christians actually spend time reading the Bible on a daily basis. God is calling us back to his word. His carnation, his life and work, his cross, his resurrection, they were all explained from the scripture. The power of the word was beginning to move upon these men. Things were happening that they had never hoped or dreamed. You know, Jesus was so word-centered. When when we see him uh, going into the wilderness to be tempted, he went in with the word in his hand, basically. He won that victory by saying, it is written, it is written. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he went inside the temple and he opened up to the book of Luke and he read from the scriptures, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He went into ministry with the Bible in his hand. And you can tell how he tried to prepare his disciples because he went into the crucifixion. He went into that horrific suffering with Bible in hand. But also on that resurrection day, he came out of that tomb with the Bible in his hand. And he could quote and say, Thou will not allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. Quoting scripture, he could walk out of that tomb triumphant and victorious. He's calling us back to his word. It is the only inspired writing 
This book is from God, not from men. And it's written to you and I. And through the power of Jesus Christ and the person and work of the Holy Spirit, he helps all of us to understand it and to apply it. And he's pulling you to his word because he wants to give you a revelation of himself unlike anything you have ever yet experienced. Number three is the communion and the wonder. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, this sounds familiar, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight, not until they recognized him. Then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us? On the road, while he opened to us the scripture. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. What an experience. They had a lesson that they didn't want to end. Kind of like this sermon, right? You don't want it to end. (laughs) They weren't anxious. They weren't checking their watch. They wanted more. You know, it's interesting that Jesus acted like he was going to go farther. You know, there's a lot of people that would have just let him go on. You know, sometimes you're getting to the best part of the lesson and you leave him. We need to spend time with God. We need to crave and we need to desire this relationship with God. He is walking alongside of us. He wants our attention. He wants our ear. He wants to speak to us and instruct us. Unaware that this lesson would come to the highest point, at the table before them. Now he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and it gave it to them and their life was immediately transformed. Uh, They had an aha moment. Now I, I think I have an idea of what may have happened. 
Some commentaries may disagree. But when you read about Jesus praying for a meal for bread, he often took the bread and he lifted it up to heaven. And he prayed and blessed it. You know what happens when he lifts up his arms? His sleeve comes down. And what they saw were the nail scars of Jesus. And they knew it was him. There's only one who's still in that physical body. Many of you have probably heard that song, There Are No Scars in Heaven. And the only scars that are there on the one who bore your sins and my sins. Those are going to be the only scars in heaven. No matter how broken you've been, no matter what you've been through, there will be no scars in heaven except the scars on the hands of the one who holds you. Their eyes were open. They recognized him. And he vanished. But again, not until they recognized him. Jesus wants to spend time with you and give you a revelation of himself. When they recovered, and recovered they had to, I mean, just, it had to take their breath away. When they had this moment, it just shocked them. A good shock. And the first words that came out of the mouth was, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us, while he opened scripture to us? When's the last time your heart burned for spending time in the presence of God and in his word? You know, the first thing that came out of their mouth was not about miracles. Now, I think the church, when I use that term, I'm speaking of the body of Christ. I think we're looking for the wrong things. I think we all want miracles. But I don't think we want to pay the price that it's going to take for miracles. When I read the Bible, the Bible tells me that they preached the word and then the signs confirmed it. Let's not get the cart before the horse. Don't be seeking miracles. It's time for the church to get back on its knees and pray and spend time in the word of God. And then the other things will take care of themselves. Their hearts were drawn to the powerful word of God. Scripture demanded their attention, and it demands our attention as well. Even in the face of the miraculous, their hearts were on fire as Jesus explained the word to them. And their hearts were satisfied, but yet they craved more. The more you hear from him, the more you will crave. Mm -hmm. 
Kelly, you can come back to the piano if you would. I want to read from 1 Thessalonians. The word of God with the power of the Holy Spirit, what Christ has accomplished at the cross. The Holy Spirit and the word always confirm that and work in conjunction with that. But the church in Thessalonica had experienced absolute transformation and change because of the word of God. Because they believed it. And Paul is writing and talking about how that testimony is going throughout the whole world. And in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 it says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. This is not the word of men. It's the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will confirm it and bear witness to it in our hearts and in our lives. It's my prayer that you will sense the Holy Spirit drawing you back to the word of God if you haven't been spending the time you should be spending there. And that you will hear him afresh and anew. And that it will incite in you a deeper craving for God's word and all that he has for us. I close with a, and then we'll have prayer, but I close with a, just a short little word from Augustine, a quote. And it's a prayer, and in that he prayed, put your mouth on my heart. Put your mouth on my heart. He wanted God to speak into him so that he would experience this warmth, this heart burn. Do you want your heart to burn? Ask God to put his mouth on your heart and to speak to you. You know, you can't even be saved without this book. But I want to take a moment before I close in prayer to give you an invitation and an opportunity. Whether you're watching on live stream or whether you're here in the service and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need the word. The Bible says you have to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. You have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You have to believe what this book says. That whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is your salvation based on this book? If you have never received Jesus Christ, you've heard the resurrection sung about, we've talked about it in the message, you've seen it, the gospel presented by human video, and the Bible invites whosoever can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. If you've never called out for this salvation, I'm not asking if you've been baptized or if you've been confirmed or if you've been a member of a church. You may have done all those things. 
Years ago, Billy Graham said at his crusade, 30% of the people that got saved came out of the choir and belonged in churches. Make sure this resurrection day that you have made your peace with God. So I'm going to pray a prayer. If you're watching by live stream, pray along with us. Repeat the words that I say. The congregation will pray them. And if you're here and you've never received Christ, it's not these words, but it's your heart. It's the condition of your heart. If you mean it and you believe it, God will save you this morning. So repeat after me, dear Jesus, I believe that I have sinned and I come short of the glory of God. And thank you for meeting my need and sending a Savior who is Jesus Christ. I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. I ask you to come into my heart. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. I fix my eyes on Jesus. I confess with my mouth that Jesus died for my sins and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And I call upon the Lord. And I believe I am saved. In the name of Jesus. And now heaven rejoices. Let's us rejoice. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time. You need to tell somebody. Um. Tell somebody before you leave this building, those of you on live stream, tell someone you're with or uh, call the church and tell someone that you've made this decision. Have a great Easter. Let's close in prayer. God bless you. Uh, again, thank you everybody who participated in the service today. Uh, you did a great job. Let's stand with me and let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. Lord, we believe that there are those who made a decision to receive Christ as Savior. And for them, we pray that their hearts will be warm and burn with the reality of the Christ in their life. The risen Lord, the risen Savior. Make yourself real to them. Reveal yourself in them. Lord, we just commit them to you. And now we pray for this day as we celebrate the resurrection. Bless our day together with friends and family. Give us traveling mercies as we travel. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.